Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 23 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. You'll notice I'm flying solo. There's no co-pilot today, a little quirk in the schedule, but that's okay because I have brought with me one of the funniest, most entertaining people in the entire baseball world. No pressure, Stephen Vogt of the Arizona Diamondbacks. How's that for an introduction? Uh, that's daunting for as an introduction. Now I feel like I really have to bring my A game today, which I always make sure when I'm going to be hanging out with you, I bring my A game because you do every day. So got to, you know, play up to the competition. It's more like shoot for average and rarely get there in my book. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the way it is. Now, I want to spin the uh, dial in the Wayback Machine to when we first met. Um, I had heard of Stephen Boat. I knew who you were. But then Johnny Gomes, your old teammate out in Oakland, calls Millar, they're, they're good buddies, and says, hey, listen, I know I'm coming on intentional talk, but I want to bring this other guy, Stephen Bode. He's really funny. And we're like, okay, we'll get another headset. And history happened. For people that never saw it, here you go. Athletics NBA referee <laughs> right here. Steve is Volt, the only guy with a silent T in the world to his name. Go ahead and show them how you'd make a call real quick. First off, I got a I got a double tech. I got a tech on Rosie for that pink shirt. And I got a tech on my boy, 1-5. Watch your mouth when you're talking about Nick Punto. See this? See how we're rolling? LeBron James going so in. It was go, a skit we'll that carried LeBron on for about five minutes right, where you yeah. did the greatest calls in NBA history. Where did, I don't even know where this came from. Yeah, so I, I mean, obviously it was so much fun to have, you know, Johnny Gomes. I've been watching you guys show for for a long time, and I've always wanted to go on. And so for him to invite me when I was first getting into the big leagues was really cool. And um, the referee skit started a long time ago. Back in 2009, I would say, is when it really took off. And that was in spring training when I was at the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, the backfields of minor league spring training can get kind of monotonous and, and long days and things like that. And so it was during March Madness. And somebody kind of brought up uh, one of the calls that was in a game the night before. And I was like, oh, you mean like this? And I got into it and I did the full-blown block, the and one. And they're like, wow, it's really good. Do you have another one? And so then I just kind of started doing ref calls. I had never done it before. It was just kind of an impromptu thing. Well, then it became any time there was one minute of downtime in between a drill, a coach, a player, somebody would be like, hey, voter, give us a, give us a this, give us a that. And so then it just kind of evolved over time. And then one of my buddies, one of my teammates, Jimmy Paddock, got me a whistle and then it was over. So I started carrying the whistle around with me, calling fouls on people all day, use it as a distraction in the clubhouse when guys are feeling a little, you know, there's a dull moment, things like that. So it's uh, it's been it's been really, really good. OK, but Stephen, it's one thing to, to do it in front of your boys. It's <laughs> another thing to go on national TV and and sell it the way you did when you walked back in the clubhouse in that day. What was the reaction? I mean, guys were dying because they had seen the act before, like you said, in the clubhouse. But one of the hardest things about going on that show particular or or just TV in general is that there's no atmosphere. You know, you have to create the atmosphere. And thankfully, you and uh, Millar were so great laughing. And I had Gomes there as my hype man. And that helped. But um, it can be daunting because it's it's dead silent all around you. You don't know how it's being received and things like that. But uh, the guys were so I mean, they loved it. They were dying laughing when I came back up and everybody gave me a, a great uh, reception when I walked back upstairs. Like, did, did Melvin say anything? 
Yeah. I, he always just kind of shook his head at me. I think Bo Mal, he enjoyed the entertainment, but I think uh, <laughs> hey, I'm a little, I'm a little too uh, emphatic. I'm a little too passionate for Bo Mel Sometimes I think uh, he's, he's way too stoic, but it didn't stop there because I still have with me my favorite bobblehead of all time. Now, unfortunately I'm too cheap to change the battery on this. You know, I lost a job, so I really can't afford to change no. the battery on it. But it, it does actually have a voice with the blown whistle and the calls and all this sort of stuff. When you saw they were making this, did your life change? Yeah, I, I never dreamed of having a bobblehead for one. I mean, that, that's just something like, oh, I had bobbleheads as a kid. And then the A's reached out that right after, you know, that winter and said, hey, we're going to do a referee bobblehead. What? And so getting to help kind of design it a little bit, but then they threw in the sound. It really is a it's a it's a really cool bobblehead. And obviously to have one of yourself and we've got a whole box of them at home. So if you let me know, I can send you a new one. So you don't even have to change the battery. I could just oh, send gosh. you a brand new one, you know, that might not work because it's been sitting in a box in a garage for six years, but mm -hmm. you know, we can, we can, we can try and get you a new one. No, I appreciate that greatly. You know what? I'll even have John boy media pay for the shipping and handling on that. <laughs> I like that, that way. I we'll like cover that. it all. We'll cover can all. Ploof, can Ploof do that? Well, you know, he did say hello. He's like, yeah. make sure you tell him he's one of my favorite teammates of all time. So Yeah. yeah. Well, that means a lot because it's Ploof, by the way it's reciprocated to Ploof. I, I mean, there's some good stuff there for Ploof. Like, like we said, you know, there's got to be another time maybe to talk about that. But oh. I do, I did enjoy my time with Trevor Ploof, and we uh, unfortunately only got to play about a half season together before we were both released out into the DFA world of mm -hmm. Major League Baseball. Yeah, we will get to that, but I, I want to circle back. I I want to say it was the next time you came on Intentional Talk because once you set the bar where you did. <laughs> and you're coming on com kind of a comedy sports show. You're like, oh, I can't just show up as Stephen Boat the next time. Yeah. So you did your Chris Farley, Matt Foley. Here we go, everybody. How is everybody? Good, good. Now, as Millar probably told you, my name is Matt Foley, and I am a motivational speaker. It's in character as Matt Foley to tell America why you should make it to the Queen City for the Midsummer Classic. Go! Now, as Rosie brought up, we've got an all-star game in July. Maybe you're out there voting for one of the other voters or catchers out there, but let's get voter to the all-star game right now! <laughs> Bam! I'm, I'm now voted. I'm going to punch tickets. You're going to July! Yeah, I, it's, I love, loved Chris Farley. Um, we watched Tommy Boy at every sleepover. We watched his Saturday Night Live, you know, the compilation all the time. Um, and that was right during middle school. I wanted to be like him. I loved entertaining. I loved making people laugh. And uh, so I started doing that skit in high school, Rosie. And I did my student body president um campaign speech as Matt Foley and this is in uh was it probably was spring of 2002 so everybody still knew that skit and Chris Farley and so I wrote my ASB speech to the cadence of Matt Foley down by the river came out fell in front of the whole school ripped my khakis I mean I, I was just all in and so I loved that one and I, I you did I, I you know I, I announced myself as the ref thanks to johnny gomes and then it's like you got to bring something this next time you absolutely do so you were right and so 
I'm really a two trick pony. I'm a ref and I'm Matt Foley. And outside of that, it's just me. So <laughs> you've seen it all. You've seen them all. But that's pretty good. Do you remember any of your speech that you gave? Um, you know, it was something to do with like, so our rival high school, Emmanuel High School in Reedley, California, um, they were right by the Kings River. And so I would say like, you're going to end up in a van down by Emmanuel, you know, like something like that. So it's like rile up the student body, you know, against the rival high school. So it was something along those lines, but um, you know, I, I can't remember the exacts, but uh, yeah, it was, it was something along those lines and just catering it to the student body. And I did win the election. I was, was going to say, body. what was the name of the poor sucker that had to run against you? Cause that kid ain't getting any votes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did kind of feel bad. And I think I went last. So that was probably good. It was probably good that I went last because I told our advisor like, hey, I'm going to be doing this as my speech. And so I think they they put me at the end. Did you get anything done during your administration? Like, did Absolutely. you get anything new in the vending machine or? No, you know what? I did preach, you know, more open campus lunchtime. And I preached huh. that I was going to get better Coke products. And But you can't get anything done as student body president. Let's get serious. You know, it's uh, I I. I I'm a liar. I'm a liar. <laughs> well, then you're perfect. Hey, absolutely. Fit right in. By the way, you are one of two student body presidents on this podcast today. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. And, and ours, ours was no joke. Like I went oh. to a, I went to a small private boys school on the East side of Cleveland that was very snooty and upper crust. Like I graduated yeah. with 88 kids in my class. Three went to Harvard, three went to Yale. And that wasn't me. I was like middle of the road. Yeah. As far as smarts went. Yeah. But that's, yeah. We, we sound very similar than I was 79 kids in my graduating class. So it was uh -huh. a big popularity contest. I mean, it was, it was huge. You know, it was, you just never know. We're never know. So when did you start thinking like I could actually be a major league baseball player? Um, I probably, the first time I had that thought was my sophomore year in college. Um, you know, I went to Azusa Pacific and NAIA school and, I, I was kind of a late bloomer even then, you know, and I, I really came into my own when I got to college. I could always hit. I was a decent catcher, but it didn't hit for much power. And then my sophomore year, we had a pitcher, Jason Ray, who was throwing 98. So every time he started, he was, you know, there's 50, 50 scouts there to watch him pitch in Southern California. And I remember specifically, you know, foul ball back and I turned around to go get it, you know, because that was before the days of the big leagues where they had ball boys and, you know, you keep the same ball, you don't just throw it out because it may have nicked the dirt. And um, so I remember turning around and I'm like, holy cow, that's a lot of radar guns. And then I was having a really good season my sophomore year. I said, I wonder if any of them are watching me for next year. Uh, you know, cause I'd be eligible for the draft the following year. So that was the very first thought I ever had of playing pro ball, um, was my sophomore year of college. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was never really a thing. I just, I knew I wanted to go to college and I knew I wanted to play baseball. While I was going to be there and that was about it. And were they there for you? <laughs> not yet, not yet, but I did notice towards the end of that year, a few of the scouts started trickling over to the, you know, third baseline to watch me from the side. Mm, um towards the end of that time. season so they were starting to kind of and once you start seeing that as a hitter you kind of okay okay yeah let's go um it, it was it was a lot of fun and something i never really dreamed of uh was being scouted or anything like that so hey everybody i want to tell you a little bit about dugout mugs yeah these things they are perfect whether it's for graduation or maybe end of the season for baseball if you're in high school you want to get your coach something dugout mugs are great because they can especially engraved things, right? 
I'm a tribe fan. So I got my big C, got my big C. I even got Chris Rose on here. So you ask and they will engrave away. It's that time of year. Plus, uh, let's see here. If I, if I just want to drink some high quality H2O, I get this one. I want to drink something a little stronger. I bring the old wine. And if it's like on a Friday or Saturday, I don't know, it's party time. I got the little shot glass special. Plus, if you just have a bottle around, we can help you out here before you load up your dugout mug. Uh, use the code word JOMBOY at dugoutmugs.com. You get 35% off with use of that code. That is 35% off. Let's go. Go get yourself a dugout mug or two. Cheers to that. Hey, guys, I've told you before how much I loved cereal as a kid and had to give it up because it had too much sugar. Not anymore. Thanks to our friends at Magic Spoon, we've got cereal that has zero grams of sugar. It comes in a four-pack variety pack. I only got two left because I've already devoured the peanut butter and the cocoa. They are already in my belly. Here's the nice thing. It tastes great, and it's great for you. 140 calories per serving. It's keto-friendly. It's gluten-free. It's all good stuff. And once again, zero grams of sugar. It comes in four-pack, great flavors. I got my fruity left. I got my frosted left. It also comes in cocoa and peanut butter as well. So you can enjoy it as a healthy snack or something to get your day going as well and feel good about what you're putting in your body. So go to magicspoon.com. Use the code ROSE. You're going to get five bucks off your first order. And these guys are so confident in their product that if for whatever reason you don't like it, it's a full money back guarantee. I guarantee you're going to love it. It tastes great. And it's got zero grams of sugar. So go get your magic spoon today. We were actually in the same building several times when you yes. were in college, but I did not know that, correct? No, you had no clue. You had no clue. Well, you did. You actually gave us a shout out. You just didn't know that. There was a future big leaguer in the room. Okay, so you have to explain what because people at home are going, what, what the hell are they talking about? Oh, so, so yeah, so our, our, our school, Azusa Pacific, is located about 30 miles northeast of, you know, Hollywood, Los Angeles area, and we were at NAI school, so we had to do a ton of fundraising. We didn't have the money that some of the bigger schools did, so one of the ways our coach would fundraise is we would, he told us that we had to bring two friends, all of us, and we'd load up on these old school buses that would pick us up at campus and they would drive us in and we'd go watch tapings of the best damn sports show period. And we did that twice a week in the fall. I mean, I probably watched, I would, I'm going to say like roughly 10 tapings. So however many episodes that was or whatever it was, but we probably went 10 separate times and we're sitting in the audience with just as many heads as possible. So because they paid 20 bucks a head or whatever it was to come watch might've been five bucks a head but it was a good way for us to fundraise in the fall. And so we came to a ton of tapings and there was one time where you, you did say, Hey, is that a, you know, I hear we have a baseball team, Azusa Pacific and Andy Van Slyke was the guest that day. And he okay. came out and talked to us for one of the days I should say, but um, so it was, it was really, really cool. Really, really cool. And um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So getting to get a be on intentional talk with you and getting to know you has been special because I've you know been watching your shows since I was in high school, college. That's amazing. It really is. And that was a for people that never saw the best damn sports show period at all. Spin it up on YouTube. Uh, it, it was kind of a trendsetter. It wasn't for everybody. But when you saw it in person, it was a ton of fun. We had an amazing warm up comic. Uh, unfortunately, that we lost a few years ago, Brody Stevens, who uh, immersed himself in the baseball world as well and, and is known uh, throughout many, many teams. And he was 
when I tell you this, the toughest job in Hollywood is the warm-up comedian for any show. He would kill it, though. He, didn't he have you guys laughing? Oh, he, that was, he was probably no offense to you or anybody else, but he was the star of the show. He was. Like, when you went to go watch and you were there live, like he stole the show. He was, he had his pictures, he had his comedy routines and he found out we were a baseball team and this guy's love for baseball. He couldn't hide it as yep. soon as he found out every time. And then he started to remember us. And that was what made us feel special is that he started and he's like, is this APU again? And he would welcome us in and he would say hi to coach and he would do everything. And this guy's stories and the people that he had met and encountered. And the one thing I'll say is I never heard a negative word come out of his mouth and the way that he was able to, to laugh when he needed the crowd to laugh and the way he was able to clap. And I, I mean, he, he, oh man. Um, and then I got to know him really well at the, at the all-star game. Um, we, we chatted a lot and I got his number and we would, he would text me once or twice a year, just saying, Hey, I'm watching you doing great. And it's just such a beautiful human. And I'm so thankful I got a chance to know him. Yeah. And for people that don't know, um, you know, Brody took his own life several years ago and it was, a, it was as crushing a day as I've ever had. I got to tell you, I, I've lost family members, but to have received that text and, you know, we, we, we talk about tough things sometimes on this show. Uh, you know, it's really important that if you feel like you need help, get it. Yep. And it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength when you, when you ask for it. And, and I think it's the number one question we all asked each other in our best damn community and the baseball community, because he was, I mean, Joe Madden started his press conference yep. the next day, just saying how much he was going to miss Brody. Yep. And um, gosh, he, his comedy was hilarious because he played baseball at Arizona state. Now I'm going to throw it air quotes when I, when play, <laughs> he didn't play a lot. He was a pitcher and he used to say, I throw 88 with movement. And then you'd get like people who would sit in the stands at best Dam who weren't baseball fans. They're like, what is he talking about? And go, I have Fernando Vina in my cell phone. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're bringing back such good memories. It, it just so much fun. He was, it was, uh, he just, he knew when, when to, when to light you up, when to get you to laugh. Um, yeah, just such a beautiful human. And I agree with you that, you know, there's so many people out there that are hurting and it's okay. It's okay to say, I need help um, yep. and ask for it. Absolutely. Um, Steven, it took you a while to get to the big leagues, right? You didn't get there till 27. And then you started what at the plate? Uh, a cool O for 25 in 2012, you know, sitting on that for an entire winter is awesome. You know, you, you, you dream of getting to the big leagues your whole life. You've done nothing but hit your whole life. Then you get to the big leagues and you get 25 at bats and you go for 25 and you're 27 and you're like, yeah, you know what? I deserve another shot for sure. For sure. Teams are probably lining up. They can't wait to give me another chance. So um, I can smile about it now. I can, uh, but that was a very long winter. And then fortunately traded to Oakland, um, got, got a fresh start with them and then went over my first seven. And so, uh, 33rd times the charm. And, uh, fortunately got a mistake pitch and hit a home run in my 33rd at bat. And, uh, yeah, it's been pretty crazy ever since. Can I tell you I, the, the smile on your face when you are rounding the bases, it's, it's like little league all over. Oh, I don't remember anything. I hit, I hit it. And I said, Oh, I hit that good. 
And then uh, I saw the way uh, I think Beltran was in um, right field. I saw the way he was running after it. I'm like, man, that's going to go. And I touched first base and I don't remember anything until I gave Mike Gallego a high five rounding third. I do not remember the 180 feet between first and third base. And then uh, just watching that clip now, Eric Sogard's one of my best friends in baseball. We've kept in touch. Our families are close. And for him to be the first high five is really cool. So uh, just a special moment that day. Dude, the, the silent treatment never gets old. I mean, and, it, and when they're mobbing you, God, that must be the greatest feeling in the world. It was, and, and that was my third day with these guys. You know, I had just gotten called up from AAA. I didn't spend spring training in Oakland. I was still in Tampa. So none of these guys really knew me. I had a couple teammates that were, had already come up from Sacramento, so they kind of knew me a little bit. But this, this group of guys and Bob Melvin, the way that he and his staff welcome you to that family from day one, it's not a surprise that they do what they do every year in Oakland and what Bob has accomplished as a manager and one of my favorite people in baseball and one of my biggest mentors and uh, that group of guys. I mean, you, you silent treatment, a guy you met three days ago. I mean, that, that stuff doesn't happen um, unless it's a special place. And Oakland is a very special place. And you, why didn't you quit? Uh, wow. I've been asked that question, but not as bluntly as that. And I love it. A um, couple big reasons. One, number one is um, I've said from the time I was in high school, if you give me an opportunity to play, I'm going to prove you right. Um, all I can ask for is a chance. And I always knew I was one of the best hitters. You know, like I said, sophomore year, you always have these dreams of playing, but it didn't become a reality until that sophomore year. But um, I always thought in my mind, like, I'm one of the best hitters on the planet, and I want to go prove that. And that's something that's always driven me. Um, and a, equally as big is my wife, Alyssa. She's a coach. She's an athlete. She played college basketball at Azusa Pacific, scored 1,000 points. Um, she's coached college, coached high school. She's my partner, my best friend. And there were a couple times where I wanted to quit because it was hard. And she reminded me of – Everyone around me sees how great I can be. I'm the only one that gets in the way. And if you would just believe in yourself and go do it, you'll see that everybody is right about you. And that's always been the way she's talked to me is you're the only one who thinks you can't do it right now. We're all, we all know how good you are and how great you can be. And she never discouraged me. Even when we were down, when I was not a nice person to be around, when I was miserable, she was always there to just encourage me and say, Hey, you got, you got one more year. You got one more year. You got one more year. Stick with it. Stick with it. And she never let me stay down in poor me mode for very long. She allowed me to whine and complain like we all do. And then she said, are you done? Let's, let's start, let's start working back towards uh, getting, getting in the right direction. So super thankful for her. And um, you know, she's a big reason why I'm, I am where I am still. You're not the first person I've heard that from on the show, by the way, I've heard a lot of, whether it's girlfriends at the time or wives that are basically, Hey, listen, bro, clean it up <laughs> and go do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, I mean, Rosie, this, it, your, your life partner is the most important decision you're going to ever make on this planet. Whoever you choose to spend your life with and live your life with that, that's the most important because they're going to push you to be better. And I always tell young guys and I always tell young people that when you're looking for a partner in life, find somebody that's going to make you better 
find somebody that's going to push you to find that extra gear. Somebody's going to hold you accountable and not let you get away with being sad and bitter and whiny. And my wife has definitely been that person for me. And I couldn't be more thankful for that. I, and I got to echo the same thing about my wife, Michelle. It has not been an easy few months. Like I love where I am right now with John Boy Media and the people here have been wonderful. It's been a major change in my life. And there are days where I've, I've woken up and I've been angry and sad and depressed. I've never been in this situation. Yeah. And yeah. she keeps saying, hey, listen, you're, be thankful. You've got three jobs, dude. Be <laughs> thankful. Like, we're good. Yeah. So. I, I, I think that that perspective right there is something that, you know, Alyssa has helped me in my career, right? Like, because my struggles or my worries are so petty in, in the big grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. Is my job important? Absolutely. It right. is my livelihood. And I strive to be great. And it doesn't matter what you do for a living. You want to be great at what you do. I don't want, I don't want to settle for being mediocre. I want to be great. That being said, when you look at the situation, oh, for four in a big league game, that's my biggest worry right now. Like life's pretty good. I mean, and these guys, those guys at 60 feet away to quote a former teammate, Danny Valencia, they drive nice cars too. Like it's their job to get me out. So I'm going <laughs> to lose. I'm going to lose a lot of the time. So, but to keep that perspective, like life is pretty good. And when, when I get down on myself, I'm so blessed to be where I am, Rosie. And yes, I've worked for it and I'm proud of that, but I'm so blessed to be in the situation that I am. And that keeps my perspective every morning when I wake up. That's why you're so popular wherever you go, particularly in Oakland. When even when you came back as a visiting player, the chants are there. You can hear it a little bit behind the broadcast here. So, so really tune in with those ears. Here we go. Yeah. Tough at bat for a left-handed hitter. And that's why he's got a... When you hear that, what do you think? Oh, man. Um, obviously, the fans in Oakland uh, embraced myself and my family from the second I showed up. And when I got called back up in 2014 for good with Oakland, um, I was playing right field and those fans out there, I've played in, I've played in some places, but there are no better fans than the right, right field and left field bleacher fans in uh, Oakland. They support their team. They're there playing the drums the whole game, like them or don't like them. They're going nuts. They're chanting. And they started chanting, I believe in Steven vote and every at bat from 2014 until I got released in the middle of 17, they chanted every single at bat the whole time. And when they played that for me, when I came back last year, especially with no crowd that, that they dubbed in that noise with no fans, like that hit me so deep. And um, it was so meaningful because I, I, I've always been a really passionate person, a really passionate player. And I think the crowd in Oakland picked up on that and really embraced it. And I feel like I'm kind of that, blue collar guy that like made it to the big leagues and everybody watching the games, like here's this chunky white dude that's old. And like, he could be playing slow pitch softball, but here he's in the big leagues. Like, I feel like that dude, if that dude could play in the big leagues, like I could play in the big leagues. And, and I love being that guy. I do like the underdog, the, the fighter. Um, I, I, I embrace that role. And so I think the fans in Oakland really resonated with that. And 
that's what the Oakland A's are is it's a bunch of misfits. And I think there's a sign out there. They put like Melvin's misfits and that's such a perfect like group for that, for the, for the Oakland team. So uh, hearing that chant and the fact that they played, it was really, really meaningful for me. Did you cry when you became an all-star? Yeah. Right away. Um, oh yeah. No, I'm 15, you know, I was 30 years old, first, first full season in the big leagues at 30 um, and got off to a great start. And I remember we were, we had an off day in New York. It was uh, the Sunday. We we're going to go New York, Cleveland. And then the all-star game was going to be in Cincinnati. And so they were making the announcement um, and we, on Monday night and we had an off day that day and Bo Mel called me, Bob Melvin called me and I saw the phone ring and I was with a group of guys. We were walking around New York city um, trying to find some pastrami somewhere or something like that and uh, see the phone call and picked it up. And uh, he just said, what's up all-star. And uh, man, even now, like just remembering that coming from him, coming from just years of work and just to be recognized in that moment as one of the best that year. Um, I, it, it was so awesome. And for him to be the one to give me the news too, like somebody I look up to so much and want to be like when I'm done playing um, all the emotions of just all the people who supported me along the way, all the people that told me I could do it, all the people that believed in me and just as much Rosie, the people that told me I'd never make it, their voices were just as loud in the back of my head. And uh, I always say this, when you get good news in your career and the 150 phone calls you make to say, thank you, it's like the 50 to 75 you don't make that you want to the people that naysayed, the people that said, you'll never do this. The people that said, Oh, you're too, you're too fat. You're too slow. You're too old. The only reason you're hitting is because you're older than everybody. Oh, you went to a small school. Oh, this, like all that stuff that you just keep hearing. And you're like, all right. Okay. You think so? I'm gonna prove you wrong. I'm gonna prove you wrong. And you let that stuff fuel you. And then you let all the encouragement keep you happy and keep you moving in the right direction. And um, all of that happened in about five seconds when Bob Melvin said, what's up, all-star. And, uh, the, and the fact of the matter to make it that year, it was Sonny Gray who, you know, I'd caught him. He, the, he was my first guy I caught when I got traded to the Oakland organization. He was 21, just <laughs> disgusting. Um, you know, playing with him and the play, catching him in the playoffs that year in 13 and then playing together 14 and to go to the all-star game together, and our families were really close. We have sons around the same age. Um, just a special moment for both of us. And uh, really, really proud to have shared that with him as well. Great story, man. I can tell it's still, uh, it still is in your heart, dude. It's so cool. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's, you know, honestly, it's, um, believe it or not, at 36, I think I'm on the backside of the mountain. I don't I think. That seriously? Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't see. I would never say that because I don't want to be a naysayer for Stephen Vogt. You know, you know, I I think the mountain I'm at I'm towards the top, but I oh. think you know we're we're just we're not on the way up at 36. Okay. You know, and that's just on the other side of the apex. Is yeah, this is this is my 15th professional season. I don't know if there's 15 more. Got if, it. If that makes sense. Well, you know what though, I'm going to stop you. There might be if we include yeah. manager. Yes. 
let's hundred percent, hundred percent. There might be 15 years left. Don't Alyssa, I'm sorry if you're watching this and I say there might be 15 years left. I apologize right now. <laughs> right now. It was Rosie. He made me say it. He made me say it. Are you watching the game every night behind Tori Lovello on nights you're not playing thinking what you would do in his situation? Um, yeah, a lot. Yeah. Um, I like watching and learning. I like to watch how they go about, um, man, what I've realized really watching Tori, um, he's busy. He's busy during the game. He's talking a lot. He's very active. He's very aware of everything going on in the field. Um, I've learned it. I have, there's a lot of things I need to learn. There's a lot of things that are way over my head. Um, I do find myself, you know, especially when I'm on the bench, you know, nationally game right now, trying to think a couple innings ahead and to help with the young guys on the bench too. Like, Hey, don't get surprised by this move in a couple innings or don't get surprised by this. And it's good. You know, I like to overthink because that, that way you don't get ambushed as a bench player. And I think that's important for every player who's on the bench to be doing at all times is to be aware of when they might be going into the game. Um, and who, who really helped me with that was Sam fold, um, you know, GM now, but he's my teammate for a lot of years in Tampa and in Oakland. And, you know, he was the one that really got me thinking ahead in games when I was on the bench and starting to think about that stuff. So I've had people in my career. And so I'm just trying to help some of the young guys in that way. Um, and it, all while also trying to get experience and, but I love watching um, the way Tori works the back half of the game. It's uh, it's really impressive to me. Let's say that, somebody let's say somebody made a managerial change in a month and they called you would you take the job right now no no way why i love playing baseball um i love getting to face the best in the world and seeing if i could still do it um i don't feel overmatched i don't feel slow um i mean I just hit a triple a couple of days ago, Rosie. I mean, it's just, you know, so we could still do this a little bit, but uh, the, no, but honestly, um, I got, there's time for that. Um, another special thing right now that I know you, you appreciate too, is my kids are nine, six, and four. They're old enough to get what daddy's doing right now. Mm. And if that motivation is better than any coach, any bit, anybody, when they're like, daddy, are you playing tonight? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yes. Like that right there. I don't care what speech you've heard, what you've listened to. I like to listen to some ultimate warrior. Thanks to Rich Hill to get me fired up before games, but nothing is better than when they're like, daddy, get a hit tonight. And it's like, all right. Okay. Yep. I'm going to. So no, the answer is a hard, hard no. Okay. I, feel like I've got a couple good years left in me to play. Um, and I want to play as long as I can. I, I, I feel like I've got a pretty good feel and a pretty good self-evaluation. Um, if I feel like I'm getting overmatched, I, I, I think I'll know when it's time to, to turn the page, but I don't feel that way yet. We will be back to the Rose rotation after this, but it is playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions, big biceps on me. 
different. It's time to hammer the over and score some cash. Let's go. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over on all featured playoff games. Boogity boogity. I like that. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right. For every 1,500 players who bet on the over on a selected game, the over-under will drop by one point. Okay. So we're hammering overs, and we can probably get this down to like 50 points. Wow. Every better who's in literally influences the line of this game. The best part, even as the line lowers, your odds remain the same. Whew. You can double your money by hammering the over. DraftKings is always safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ROSE when you sign up to hammer the over. (laughs) For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the overhitting. So tell your friends and family, this is a team effort, guys. Get everyone, and it's literally free money. Hammer the over, improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code ROSE for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Restrictions apply. Max $25 wager, one per customer. Offer ends 523-21. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gaming problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Was there ever a moment... What was your like welcome to the show moment? Like, did you face somebody where you're like, God, this is the coolest thing ever? Yeah, I'm, well, my debut, um, 2012, was opening day. I, I got call, I got optioned at the you know midway point of spring training. Then we had, unfortunately had an injury, but I got to make my debut on opening day, and we're playing the Yankees. And you know, 2012 Yankees. CC. CC was on the mound, and believe it or not, I didn't get to start against the lefty with Joe Madden as my manager. I know, but. Um, you know, I, uh, I pinch hit in the eighth and facing Daniel Robertson and we walked actually Carlos Pena walked off Mariano Rivera and I was on deck. And so I was like, oh man, I may, I might be facing Mariano Rivera in my debut, but, uh, just hearing the names called on the Yankees side and then hearing, you know, Evan Longoria, Carlos Pena, all these guys on our side. And then it's like Steven vote. And it's like, like, yeah, yeah. My dad's yelling and my wife's yelling. My mom's yelling. Those are the only three people cheering right now in the entire Tropicana field because no one knows anything about me. Um, but that that was a cool moment. And then later in that year, Chipper Jones getting to watch him in his farewell season. And I was in the other dugout. That was my first like starstruck. Um, like I'm watching a Hall of Famer. Like this guy, you know, all that. Um, but those those were probably the the two moments for me, like observing the baseball fan. But then the final one was in 2014, and I was playing first base, and so I didn't get a chance to meet Derek Jeter, you know, because if I'm catching, I'm definitely introducing myself and saying hi. Like that's 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 a fact. But I was playing first base and I hit a double and I popped up like a pop-up slide. He caught it and tagged me on the the backside and said, "What's up, Steven? And I'm like, "Like I don't know if you remember Be- the movie Beethoven." 
Yeah. Nor the daughter's like, he knows my name. Yeah. He knows my name. That's exactly how I felt. I felt like I was just a middle schooler whose crush just remembered his name. Like that was exactly what I felt like. Uh, oh, man. So th- that was probably the final like, oh, my goodness moment that I had. That's awesome. I know you're busy, but I've got like a couple more questions. Just <laughs> thanks. Absolutely. I, I appreciate it. Of course. How do you garner a good relationship with an umpire back there? Is there a way to massage this um, relationship? I think so. I, I, to me now, especially with the checks and balances that everybody has, right? We have access to the data and the track man and the, mm-hmm. I'm truthful. So I think a lot of times, you know, yeah, I'm trying to steal strikes. Of course they know that. But if I, if I catch a pitch that's off the plate and they ask me, I'm going to tell them it was off the plate. If, uh, if I feel like it was a strike and they called it a ball, I ask them sometimes like, Hey, do you mind if I go look at that one? And they say, yes, I'll go back and I'll look at it and I'll tell them like, Hey, that was a strike. Or I'll come back and be like, man, you were right. I hate it when I'm wrong. But to me, it's it's about trust. Every relationship is about trust. And so why you would it? You don't yell. You you've never snapped at an umpire back. Oh yeah, yeah. There's been a few times where I've snapped. Hundred percent. Okay. I mean, there's emotions out there. We're competing. Yeah. Thank um, goodness. I thought you. You know. I thought oh we no no no. Like, I I would say nine. I mean, ninety nine percent of the time, I'm in a very good mood, and I'm very kind, and I'm very. But it, we're still competing out there. So if I feel like the, there's something going wrong, I will snap. I, and I've snapped, I could probably say five, probably five times I've actually snapped at an umpire. Um, we've, we've had heated discussions, but snaps probably only about four or five in my career, which I think is pretty good. Yeah. But so do you t- like next day or next time you see him, do you apologize or every, every time you do? Is yeah. there one you want to share with us where you were like, and he goes, oh, yeah, hey, listen, it's okay. I get it. Yeah. So there was a pitch last year, Alfonso Marquez, who's one of my favorite umpires to work with, great human, great person. And he's he's actually a pretty good hitters umpire. We he he's pretty tight. So Daniel Bard threw me an absolute perfect backdoor slider to strike out looking. It's like an eight-pitch at bat. I'd pinch hit with two outs in the ninth and pinch hit and battled. And he threw me an absolute perfect backdoor slider that just nicked the line on the outside. And in the moment, I kind of let him have it a little bit and, um, you know, just said, you're better than that. You don't call that pitch. Yes. And this and this. And then I went back and looked and I said, oh, no, it was a strike. So the next day I found Alfonso and I said, hey, Alfonso, I got to tell you, I went back and looked at that pitch. And uh, as much as it pains me to say this, you were right. And I'm sorry that I yelled at you. And uh, he said, you know what, Stephen? He's like, you never say anything. So I actually went and looked and I did get it right. So he kind of, <laughs> it was a nice little back and forth, little banter the next day. But, uh, you know, the honest part is that Rosie's like, yeah, we're, everybody's out there trying their best. And when you're able to remove emotions from it and look at it as that, we're all human. We make mistakes. We mm-hmm. make errors. They're going to miss pitches from time to time. We all should be trying to get better. Everyone should be trying to get better using the data, using what we learned from the night before to make a new mistake the next day. That's that's my goal every day is to make a new mistake tomorrow. And that's what all we can hope is that everybody's trying to use all the information we have to get better. I hope everybody listened to that. Go back, hit hit rewind about 45 seconds and re-listen to it, including me, which I will do seven times after I'm done with this. That was awesome. Name me one pitcher 
in the history of baseball you would like to have caught for one inning? There's a lot of pitchers that are running through my head right now. Um, I think it would have been really, really cool to catch Pedro Martinez. Um, He was the most dominant pitcher of my childhood. And it was so fun to watch him compete and just how fiery he was, the way he could make the ball move. Um, I think it would have been really fun just to to catch him. Awesome. All right, we're going to fire through these and let you go to work because that's what you do. It's a little segment I came up with. It's called voter fraud with a question mark. Okay. I went through Wikipedia, and you're going to have to tell me whether or not these are fact or fiction. Your parents made you participate in two non-sports-related activities. So you sung in the choir and played trumpet in the band growing up. Fact. You could sing? Yeah. I can and play trumpet? Uh, the trumpet, that's been, that's been a lot longer. It's, you know, I can, I can usually practice singing in any place. I'm not always carrying a trumpet around with me. So that's so the, the practice sessions are a little fewer and far between when it comes to mm-hmm. trumpet. Okay. But I have a good 15-minute commute every day that I can practice my singing. Speaking of, you participated in church musicals and dreamed of performing on Broadway if you didn't make it in the baseball world. Correct. Correct. I, I loved musicals. I loved singing. I loved acting. I was in the sound of music in high school. Um, I was the, who does it? Uh, Professor Dreyfus in the Pink Panther strikes again in high school. Um, just any kind of acting. I loved the church musicals we would do growing up as a kid. Um, just so much fun. So much fun. So you can really sing. I, I'm out of practice, Rosie, but I can sing okay. a little bit. Yeah. All right. Next time you went to the final Giants game at Candlestick Park ever. Yes. Yep. And we got to walk. We got to walk the warning track and walk the bases. Um, And uh, that was so cool. That was the first time I had ever been on a major league stadium surface. And I remember it like it was yesterday. So So cool. cool. And you also attended all three home games for the Giants in the O2 World Series against the Halos. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so cool story real quick. I know we – so 2000, first game ever at Pac Bell, the new Giants stadium. They were playing the Yankees in an exhibition game. And Jorge Posada hit one into the, into the cove. And I remember sitting next to my brother and my dad. I'm like, dude, how cool would it be to hit one of those one day? And then 19 years later, I got to play for my childhood favorite team, the Giants, and hit a splash shot as a Giant. And favorite homer ever. And I can remember it like it was clear as yesterday saying that I would love to hit one one day. And the last one, you are the second best basketball player in the boat household. That hard fact, hard fact. Yeah. Never beat her in horse. Um, lost a two on two game to her and her teammate against one of my teammates. We were all dating at the time. So we had to make them dinner in college. Oh, nice. And yeah, they, it, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a competition. We knew what we were doing. We knew what we were doing. You know, we'll leave it at that. Should have backed her down. Should have, you know, play in a game of one-on-one. She if, still I, if I backed her down, she would slip by and steal it or she would swap me. I mean, I, it, she's such a, I've, we figured out that the only thing I'm better than her at 
is hitting major league pitching. Cause I can't even say hitting because <laughs> pound for pound, she never played a swinging sport. We go in the batting cage and she squares every ball up. She plays long toss. She's, she is so much a superior athlete than me. It's, it's scary. So I'm, I'm really hoping the kids get my hand eye coordination and her athleticism and nothing else. Hey, well, Way to marry up just like the rest of us, dude. Uh, this was a blast. I had so much fun catching up with you. We haven't talked enough. Uh, I know that you, you reached out to me after uh, things went south at the other place. I always appreciate it. I appreciate your friendship an awful lot. Same to you, Rosie. I always enjoy catching up and all the best to you and the family. And just remember that when you do get that managerial job one day, if you ever need some video coordinator or something else, give me mind. Okay. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Tell tell all the good people out there in Arizona. Hi and thank you. I will do that for sure. You know, it. appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody tuning in right here to the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. Special shout out to my guy Robbie Shirocco. You're killing it on the edit, my man. We'll see you next time.